What is the deal with Christian worship? In this episode, we're going to answer a question that a viewer sent to us that really is related to the the whole notion of, of Christian worship and how there's some issues that go on with it. And here on the program, we've talked about some of the modern theology and Christian culture has a more desperate outlook at, rather than one that is aspirational and looks towards the transformation in Christ Jesus. So we're going to talk about all that and we're going to have a good time together. Thank you for joining us. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor and this is Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And here with me in the studio is one other. Pastor Anthony Alegria. And of course, we are clergy in the Church of the Nazarene, and we thank you for joining us. I'm just a little different today. We did a baptismal, or a baptism. We had a service which really looked at, at baptism and that sacrament. So that's going to be a little bit shaping our, our things today. So here we are to answer a question. So someone sent us this question regarding worship. They said, if you say that modern Christian music has a lot of pain... Why is that a bad thing, especially if we want to reach two people who have a lot of pain in their life? So this question comes in response to the fact that we, here on the program, we've talked a lot about different theologies that have happened throughout time. And the modern Christian culture does have a problem with more looking to love the brokenness and say Christ loves the brokenness rather than to say Christ loves you in spite of the brokenness. And now Christian music is a place where this plays out quite a bit. And our church really does deserve a better class of music than something which is strictly stuck there. And when I say our church, I'm talking about the Holy Church Universal. Now, that's not to say that all modern music is bad. In fact, we sing a lot of modern music here at the church, but there are nonetheless some issues with it. There are a lot of good songs that are out there, and what you'll find if you stick with us to the end of the program is that the ultimate solution to this is you and your local church having discretion and being choosy about what you do. And if you're singing songs that have issues, yeah. Change the theology a little bit to make sure they're right. And if people get mad about you changing the work or the styles or the words in the song, well, you're going to call their bluff about not wanting the music to be there for the right reasons anyway. So nonetheless. All right. So here's some things that I want to say before we jump deep into this conversation, because we're going to look at three issues that I see with modern worship. And the first one is that we really do live in a day and age where Rather than having aspirational theology, we have what I would call desperate theology. The second thing we're going to talk about is that commercial music has been conflated with worship music. And the last thing we're going to talk about is that we're not asserting the true purpose of worship. Music is not the only way that we do worship, and worship is not limited to music. So that's what we're going to look at. But before we get into all that, I want to have a, a disclaimer real quick. I'm not here to disconnect, deconstruct everything that, that people hold dear to them. I realize there are a lot of people who are lay people. They come to church, they worship, they hear these songs, they love them, they want to take them throughout the week. And that's a good thing. I'm not here to beat up on that. The issue that I see happening is really oriented more towards the leaders in the Christian culture who aren't doing a good job of setting an expectation of holiness for the people they are serving. We as leaders, we need to have high standards and we need to make sure that the music we sing also has high standards. So whether that's in modern music and has a more modern sound to it or old songs, it just all needs to reach a threshold where there's actual quality theology that is true to Christian orthodoxy. And music itself is something that has a lot of power. Songs, they have a great ability to manipulate our emotions. Therefore, they have a great opportunity to manipulate us. And people, they listen to songs they carry them without, the, without really paying too much attention to what the words are, but they like the tone of it, so they'll, they'll carry it without looking deep down at the core of the song. But they like the tune, 
And whenever the words there that people sing doesn't have good theology, sometimes it gets masked by the fun of the music. So we're going to have a conversation about all this, but I do want to throw that out there. Again, this is not here to beat up lay people. If it's here to really criticize anyone, it's leaders who haven't done their job of setting good expectations for the people. Do you feel like that's fair to say, Anthony? Yep. <laughs> Anthony's more abrupt in that one. All right, so to the question they ask, because this is really oriented to how do we get people in the church? Um, especially people who experience pain, because a lot of our modern Christian art is oriented towards, you know, an emotional side of things that really looks to discuss the broken sides of humanity. Well, one, we have to remember that the fullness of the kingdom is not arrived. We're not here to establish a utopia. We're here to bring people towards salvation. And pain is something which is not overcome by setting up eggshells in the world around you for people to walk on lightly and not break. If you're someone who lacks self-confidence, the solution isn't to have the whole world lie to you about the area that you're lacking in. For example, if you're a high schooler and you're not particularly good at football and you want to play football, having someone come and lie to you and give you a, a you know participation trophy is not going to really help with that. Or if you're someone who looks like Jar Jar Binks and you look like a total doofus and people come and tell you you look like someone painted in a, a famous piece of art, um, you know, that, that's not going to ever help the problem. You've actually got to learn to overcome those problems. Again, these things aren't matters of eternal salvation. Being a good athlete, being someone who, who looks like a model, these are not things relevant in the course of eternity. So the solution is not to lie to people. Um, it is to elevate people towards the things which actually matter. But here in the modern Christian culture, we do have a problem where we, we live in a time of desperate theology. Um, my father, Pastor Mike Proctor, he refers to this as the theological ghetto, which is a really interesting phrase. And he's talking about we have songs and we have a lot of things. We have art, movies and stuff that kind of show the brokenness in the world and say Jesus loves you in the brokenness. And they don't say things like Jesus loves you in spite of the brokenness. They kind of have this murky, unclear language that kind of implies Jesus loves people just because they are broken. We've got some scripture I want to share with us here, and it's from the Gospel of John chapter 9, verses 5 through 7. And it says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud in the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And then he went and washed and came back able to see. So in this text in John 9, we find a blind man who is born blind. He's blind from birth. Anthony, does Jesus love the blind man because he is blind? No, no. but he does what? so happen to love the blind man. Yes, he does love the blind man, but why is it that he loves him? Well, I guess because he's made in the image of God. Yes, because he is a man made in the image of God. Men and women, we are made in the image of God, and God loves us because we are his children. He doesn't love us because we are broken. In fact, Jesus wants to remove the brokenness. So that's the first thing that we do. We, we've created a culture, and this is just, it's not unique only to modern music, but it is something which is predominant in modern music because that's where our, our Christian culture is at. So there's still a lot of good modern songs that have that. And again, the solution to this is just as churches being assertive in the songs that we pick and make sure we're using good theology. So the next problem that I see in modern worship is that commercial music is being used um, as worship music. Whenever I write a sermon, I don't expect to charge people royalties if they are um, 
reusing ideas that I share in a sermon. In fact, I probably got those ideas from from other things, from reading scriptures, from studying, and things of that nature. And when it comes to something that's intellectual like that, it's hard to really police anyway, its value, but also um, I'm not doing it because I'm here to make money. And so when it comes to commercial music, it's perfectly fine that people want to make money off stuff. That's perfectly fine. And I think that it's good for there to be businesses who are out there Christian. They're trying to make profit. They're trying to produce a good Christian culture. And they're trying to do that in a way that is, you know, financially viable. So having commercial Christian music is perfectly fine. But we should make a distinction between what is commercial Christian music and what is worship music. Because what happens in the church is we do things which don't have that commercial string attached to them. When we come together and we want to give glory to God, there doesn't need to be some other element there in the mix. It needs to be sincere, pure sacrifice. And oftentimes commercial music, it's written with different motives behind it. Again, they don't want to make one song to end them all because they want you to buy the next album that comes out. They want to keep you moving in a direction. And commercial music, they have hooks to get you attached to them so you'll buy it and take it home. So there's a few different motives in it. Even if it's still meant to give glory to God, it's not set apart in the same way that what happens in a worship service is. So we as leaders in the church, and even as laity in the church, we need to be people who assert the difference between things which are clearly set apart for God and things that are part of mundane life that we can still give glory to God in, but they're not part of something that is set apart just for the purposes of giving glory to God. And this really pans out into a lot of problems. We have things like CCLI, which I'm very skeptical of as a business. They, they charge churches to have licensings to sing songs in worship, which, again, there's a expectation that Christians are going to be singing, and then there are people here to make money off something that people are spiritually obligated to do. Now, it's fine to pay a music director. It's fine to, to pay staff at the church to have a pastor. But the Christian music industry has, has some things conflated that I don't think are meant to be conflated. Um, Again, when I write a sermon, I hope that other people use it, and I'm doing it. Yes, I hope that the church pays me enough to, to live by, but I'm not here to, to make loyal royalties off of it indefinitely and then police how people do it. A lot of this stuff with CCLI, they don't even want you to change the words or anything like that, or you sing it radically different. And that kind of tells you, is this really here to give glory to God, or is this serving another purpose? So I'm very skeptical about commercial Christian music being used as worship music. Again, I think it's perfectly fine for commercial Christian music to exist, but it's, I don't think it should be used in, in worship. Um, the last thing that I would see as an issue with worship music is that it, it doesn't always assert the true purpose of worship. So many people in the modern day and age think that worship is music. We call people worship pastors who are really music directors. Worship is, is all that we do that gives glory to God, and there's a big difference between just music for worship and worship as a whole. So again, the solution to this is that we realize that we as local churches are going to have to deal with this. We're going to have to assert the real purpose of worship and be very choosy about the theology we sing. People like songs a lot, and it's very important they have good theology. Thus, if you're singing a song that you like the tune of it, pay attention to the theology. If the theology is not right, then maybe you need to change some of the words around a little bit. Rewrite it a little bit. And if people get mad about that, and I know there's going to be a lot of people who really love the Christian industry who might come in and be mad at me for this, but if they're genuine in wanting this to be something that gives glory to God, then they shouldn't have a problem with you changing the words or something like that in it. They're, they're betraying their true motives if they're going to try to police this the way they, they try to police it. Um, it reminds me a little bit about the, those colluding there at the temple who would charge uh, money when, or the money changers as we, we call them in the New Testament a lot of times, 
Um, sounds a lot like that. People basically being charged so that they can come to, to do their duty in Christian worship. The purpose of Christianity is much broader than musical worship, and we need to remember that. So back to this question of how do we attract people? Well, we shouldn't be attracting them just for the purposes of music because, again, people, they can find music anywhere, and they can find good music anywhere. And we as the church, we have to assert the real reason why we do worship. And it's okay if the church has songs of pain and things like that, but we've got to remember that the gospel of Christ Jesus doesn't end with a death on a cross. It doesn't end with a body in a tomb. It ends with a resurrection, with a resurrected Lord who goes out to commission people to carry on his work. It ends with an ascended Lord who goes to sit at the throne of heaven, who comes to to look to his people and say, I am sending you out to the world to baptize people in my name. And by the way, there is coming a day of judgment where there will be another resurrection and I will judge the living and the dead. We in Christianity, we know that it does not stop in the moment of empathy. Jesus doesn't come to the blind man and say, I'm going to give you a hug for being blind and tell you, no, you can really see your, your life is, is complete and you need no transformation. Jesus comes to us and says, look, I don't care if you, you can see or not, because true sight is not about having optical nerves. It's about where your heart is and where your soul is. And Jesus wants to liberate us from the things which keep us in suffering. So our theological perspective that we need in this modern day and age needs to be less of woe is me and more of, yeah, woe is me, but there's a resurrection, there's joy, there's glory to be found in the kingdom of God. So there are some some just thoughts that we wanted to share in response to this question. It's a very good question, and I'm not here just to, to beat up on modern Christian music. I know we talk about that a lot. But we do need to be choosy about how we we go about songs. And we need to be able to make some distinctions. With that, I don't know if Anthony has any final thoughts he wants to share before wrapping up. But we'll wrap it up there.